You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Kramer. Back to Kramer, he'll take the three, and that's what he does. Comes down the floor, crosses over, Kramer into the lane, finishes it off, Chris Kramer. He gets into the lane, he's got pulling. Oh, and the finish from Kramer. It's a scramble, and who else is going to come up with it? But Kramer who throws it down. As Kramer comes off the screen. Oh, swift crossover for him, and he finishes. Just too quick on the change of direction, Chris Kramer. Korkmaz to Vidmar. Vidmar rejected by Kramer. Look at the play defensively. Chris Kramer. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. In this episode, I have the honor and privilege of talking to one of my favorite Boilermakers of all time, Chris Kramer. Chris Kramer, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Good, Chris. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on. Of all my years of watching Purdue basketball, uh, just so enjoyed watching you play the game and, and, the, and the way you played it. So it's a complete honor for me to be able to talk to you today. You're back in the States right now in Fort, up in Fort Wayne uh, rehabbing. You had the devastating knee injury back in March. Uh, but back home, uh, it's been almost about five months since that. How's uh, rehab going? Um, you know, rehab's going really well. Um, starting to really progress and you know, it's great to be able to get back on the court and, uh, you know, start to kind of see your old self, um, you know, the way that I used to move, the way I could jump, um, just all of those things just starting to slowly come back. And, you know, it's been, you know, an uphill battle mentally and physically um, from March 5th. Um, but, you know, you can see uh, you can see the end and, you know, getting back on the court and being able to play. And, you know, I'm really excited about that. I was going to ask, what what is the tougher part? Is it mental or physical, just kind of getting back out there and doing everything you used to be able to do? Uh, it's both. Okay. Um, you know, I would say it's – if I had to, you know, get percentages, I would say <laughs> 25% of it is the physical part of getting that back and, you know, maintaining – the biggest thing is your um, extension. You, know, you got to get, you know, that right first. You got to be able to extend your leg um, completely. You want to get it as uh, the same as your other leg. Um, and then just building that strength up, um, you know, because you can lose uh, your calf, your quad, and your hamstring, that strength. You can get a lot of atrophy in there. Um, so to build that back up as strong as you were, before and then even better um you know you want to get that symmetry between your right and your left leg and um you know so that's a tough thing to get once you start to lose that muscle mass that can go so quickly um but the mental part is definitely um grueling you know just mentally you know telling yourself that you can do these things even though you know your body's telling you that you shouldn't be doing it that you can't do it um, you know, cause your body is, you know, reacting to, you know, a significant injury and then, you know, having surgery. So your body's protecting itself, yeah. but you know that everything's healed and you know that everything is, um, capable of doing what you're trying to do at the time. 
So you just got to, you know, mentally just, you know, take steps each day of trying to, you know, overcome some hurdle. And, you know, as you start to do things, you're, you know, you know that you're stronger than, um, you know, you're stronger mentally than your body is. And so you just got to keep pushing. Awesome. And in, in more exciting news recently, you signed with Kim Key over in Russia. Talk about that decision. Um, you know, it was kind of crazy. So my old coach, my first year in Lithuania is now the coach of Kimki. Um, so I've had the relationship with him and, um, we had a good rapport together. Um, and you know, he's a tough coach There's you know, practices are tough and, um, you know, he's very, he's a yeller on the sidelines and stuff like that. So um, it's tough for some guys to play for him, but, you know, none of that stuff ever bothered me. So um, you're used to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, but we had that good relationship and, you know, we were prepared to take, you know, a pay cut and, you know, who knows where you're going to end up going and, you know, what kind of level or league we're going to end up playing in and, um, you know, when this opportunity arised, um, it was almost too good to be true. You know, we didn't have to take a pay cut. Um, I know the coach, you know, I know the strength coach. He was also with me in Lithuania. Um, so there's people in place and positions that I've worked with before that, you know, they're not going to just throw me right into the fire when I get there. Um, and then the Russian league, the VTB league is, you know, one of the best in Europe. And then with Kimki, we'll be playing in the EuroLeague, which is the best league in Europe where you play, you know, your, you know, FC Barcelona, Madrid, you know, Maccabi Tel Aviv, um, you know, Giorgio Armani's team in Milan, um, you know, and the list keeps going, you know, coach Rick Pitino was, you know, down in Panathinaikos in Athens mm, yeah. and, you know, David Blatt's the coach of Olympiacos in Athens and, so this will be, you know, definitely the biggest year of my career. Um, you know, the best competition for sure. Um, you know, so first I'm really looking forward to getting completely healthy, but then, you know, really excited about the opportunity and the challenges that await. When do you report back over there? Um, so I'll leave um, at the end of the month, um, the 31st, and, you know, head over to Russia. Cool. And talk about that. You've had a very successful overseas career What's it like playing over there, and are there challenges uh, for your family with, you know, language barriers and things like that? Um, you know, it just kind of depends on where you go. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate. Um, when we were in Germany, um, a lot of the younger people speak English. Um, Basketball-wise, everything is um, in English. I've never had okay. a place where um, – you know, they've spoke, they've spoken the domestic language okay. and we had a translator. I've never experienced that. Um, I know that happened some places, but I haven't experienced it. Um, so we haven't had any big struggles. The biggest thing is just adapting to, you know, figuring out, you know, going to the grocery store and figuring out what you're trying to buy and then, you know, Google translate and, you know, I mean, you can be in the store at the beginning, you know, for a while trying to figure out what you're trying to get. Um, but I've been very fortunate also with just having, you know, people around that have been there before when I was in Germany and Oldenburg, um, 
you know, I got to be really good friends with um, Ricky Paulding, um, who's now, I think, on year 13 in Oldenburg, which in an overseas career is pretty unheard of. Um, you know, they kind of took me under their wing and kind of showed me around and, um, you know, really helped the transition there. Um, and then in Lithuania, you know, we had, I knew a couple of guys that had been there before too, and they kind of helped us, you know, show us where everything was and, um, you know, get us acclimated. So we haven't had it very tough. This next adventure in Russia is going to be a little <laughs> bit different since we aren't part of the European Union. Um, I'm hoping and guessing that since it is, you know, obviously, um, in Moscow that, you know, people understand what we're trying to say and, um, hopefully people will speak English. I'm, you know, I'd be shocked if they didn't. Um, but you know, we're, we're excited about this opportunity and, um, you know, it's just another place that, you know, we get to go and kind of embrace ourselves in a different culture and, um, you know, just see another part of the world as a family that, you know, maybe we never would have yeah. you know, got to see. Cool. And do you bounce back and forth in the off season or do you pretty much, was this, was this off season an exception because of the rehab? Um, so normally as soon as the season's over, you know, normally in, I mean, anytime in June, I mean, I've gotten home last week of June, I think <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> Um, but normally in that like middle of June is when, you know, after the finals, you have to do some stuff with the fans and all of that and mm -hmm. then come back home. And, um, usually we're home until, um, about the middle of August for the most part. Um, you know, that's when you report back for training camp and, you know, go through it all again and preparation and all of that. So, um, you know, this uh, summer, I guess, extended <laughs> summer, um, is definitely, it was definitely good for the soul. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, it was bittersweet that, you know, the way that it happened. But, you know, I think it was good just, you know, for me, for my wife and for my daughter. I mean, we were, you know, able to be home. We were able to see our families and, um you know, get to see them a lot more than we normally would have, um, you know, given normal circumstances throughout the season. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was obviously one of the, a plus of, a, you know, of what happened. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's obviously, you know, some cons as well of, you know, what could have been for this next, for this upcoming mm -hmm. season. But, you know, I can't, I wanted to play the what if game. Like, what if I didn't get hurt? What would this season have came to? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this upcoming season, what would happen? And, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I'm blessed with an amazing life, with an amazing daughter and an opportunity to play a game that I love and get to see the world. So um, that provides financially for us and gives us opportunities that, you know, we never would have had before. So, um, you know, yeah, we're just very blessed and um, just excited for, you know, another year that, you know, I'm able to play and get experience all this with my family. Your family is obviously very important to you. And if you were on your Twitter page, you would see that. And also your faith is something that stands out on your Twitter page as well. Talk about your faith and how that uh, plays a role in your yours and your family's life. <clears throat> um, you know, it's, you know, I think you're, 
faith can be, you know, something that just like keeps you, um, you know, solid, I would say. I mean, you know, through the good and the bad, you know, you know that, you know, there's a plan that's greater than anything you can even fathom. I mean, you know, you can't, you have a plan of what you think should happen, but his plan is always greater than um, our plan. And he can do miraculous things that we can't even imagine. And, you know, I think with faith, a lot of times people get caught up on, um, you see the negatives of, you know, what happens. And that's when, you know, I think people can lose their faith. And like, you know, when somebody dies of cancer, or, you know, some young kid, you know, dies and all of this stuff, like why, why, why did this happen? He's such a good kid. Why does this happen? He's so young. Why, why, why? And, you know, you're just one, you start to really question and question and question. And, um, you can just, you know, I think that some people like lose their faith, but, you know, you just have to keep, um, you know, especially as a family with, um, you know, a daughter in my case, just mm-hmm. to, you know, keep God at the center and, um, you know, and just praise him and worship him for the things that, you know, we have and, um, you know, really just waking up every day and, you know, because uh, the grand scheme of things, a torn ACL um, and, you know, having surgery is, you know, very minuscule to, you know, what some people have to wake up and go through every single day. You mentioned that cancer and families have to struggle through that. I noticed in April, too, when you were rehabbing, or uh, for, uh, shortly after your surgery anyway, uh, you had received Tyler Trent's book. I don't know if you got a chance to read that all the way through or not, but talk about um, that book and how that may have had an impact on you or just Tyler's story in general. Yeah, I've had a chance to read it all the way through. Um, but, you know, I kind of caught wind of this just, you know, obviously through Twitter and just seeing um these stories about this Purdue fan that you know was just so dedicated and you know would camp out for football games and um was just a true Boilermaker fan and then when you start to hear what's happening to him and how he's handled it and just how he went about everything with his faith and just you know it was just unbelievable and just very inspiring. And um, the way that he, you know, battled all the way to the end was very admirable. And, um, you know, I'm just really proud of Purdue for the way they've honored him um, for everything that he's um, done for cancer, for cancer research. And just, you know, um, you know, he's helped so many people that he, you know, he had a goal of what he set out to do and he's on the, you know, in my mind, he's changed the world, the sports community, you know, and how they view cancer and, um, you know, people are really trying to help and do everything they can in his honor and his name. And, um, you know, I'm really proud that Purdue and how they're honoring him, mm-hmm. you know, with stuff at the football or at Ross aid. And, um, you know, it's just a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous story. And, um, just the way that, you know, his family, um, handled everything um, is amazing. You know, being in that public eye as your son is essentially dying um, had to be very tough for them. 
Um, but they handled it with, you know, just complete grace. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it was amazing to watch, um, just as an outsider, it's something that you never, you never want to happen to, um, anyone in your family, you know, let alone your children. Um, but just the way they handled it was, it was amazing to watch. Certainly incredible. Hey, Chris, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Um, Going back real quick over to Lithuania, you had the uh, uh, the the joy, uh, the experience of uh, winning the Kings Cup. And correct me if I'm incorrect on that. The Kings Cup yep. back in February, okay. a few weeks before the injury. Talk about that experience. Um, you know, that was the highlight of the year. <laughs> um, you know, to put it blunt, you know, last year basketball wise was a year from hell. Um, you know, I had like three significant injuries before I got you know, the season was taken away and just to kind of get to a point where I was playing really, really well in those two games for the Kings cup and we were able to win was awesome. Um, you know, at that point I was like, okay, like all of these injuries are behind me. Um, you know, we're ready to get on a roll and really start mm-hmm. playing well. You know, we were in the top eight of the Euro cup at that time. And, uh, that's when I got hurt and we played in Valencia. Um, those games after that but um that was definitely the highlight of the year um you know i beating zagris and lithuania is a very tough feat um they're a euro league team and they're the favorite to win everything in that league every year um so that was an awesome thing to do and we won it in front of our fans in front of our families um so just to be able to celebrate um you know with my wife and daughter after mm-hmm. we won and um just experience, you know, how much joy and love the fans had for us um, after winning, you know, the cup when they didn't expect, uh, expect it to happen was awesome. That's awesome. Got saw the cool picture of you uh, hoisting the trophy there. Got to hoist a couple of those here at Purdue for uh, some Big Ten championships. <laughs> you had a, 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 a great career here at Purdue, and it was just a joy watching you play the game. Talk about some of your favorite memories when you played at Purdue. Oh, favorite memories. Um, obviously, winning the Big Ten, uh, um, the Big Ten tournament was awesome. Um, winning the Big Ten regular season was awesome. Um, you know, but some of our favorite memories were just, you know, we had such an amazing team, mm-hmm. just some amazing guys. That were just, you know, awesome to be around. You know, we still have an amazing relationship with, you know, a majority of those guys. Um, you know, those are going to be the times that, you know, that I'll cherish those relationships. Um, but, you know, we definitely had some amazing times on the court. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, NCAA tournaments and, you know, I was playing like the four my freshman year playing <laughs> against. Joe Kim Noah and um, Florida when they eventually won the national championship. And, you know, we played against, you know, Hashim Thabit, just like uh-huh. standing there looking at him like, <laughs> you know, this isn't even fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, just, you know, we had so many fun times. I mean, you know, we beat Davidson to mm-hmm. when Steph Curry, when he was there, and, you know, I was, you know, we kind of 
didn't let him get hot and you shut blowing them out. But um, <laughs> you shut them down, Chris. We we don't need to be humble. I mean, you shut them down. It wasn't all me. <laughs> it wasn't all me by any means. I mean, I can take some of the credit, but not all. Um, well, a couple of those memories I remember that, and I don't know. If people still bring this up with the shot from your knees against Arizona. I believe that was two thousand seven. And a few yeah. years later, you got to hit that game winner against Texas A&M. Those two that kind of stand out from the tournament, do people still t- ask you about those? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Not very often anymore. Um, I'm kind of in that has-been or never-was category oh, now. <laughs> like nine, ten years after, oh, man. after the fact. Um but every once in a while, someone will bring up like the shot from your knees or the Texas A&M game. But um, you know, those are obviously memories that I'll never forget. Yeah. And I have uh, like the sequence of shots uh, from my knees um, that I was given, um, and then there's some pictures from like the layup, you know. Uh, to go ahead and beat Texas A&M and you know that was special in itself just because in my mind at that point before Robbie got hurt in the Big Ten tournament we were one of the top four best teams in college basketball Definitely. and if he doesn't get hurt we're you know a number one or with the best number two seed um, and really had a legitimate chance to win a national championship mm-hmm. and you know, him getting hurt, um, I guess that Robbie getting hurt before the Big Ten tournament. Um, but, um, you know, that was all taken away from us. And, yeah. um, you know, at that point, everybody counted us out. And so just to come together as a team, kind of rally around Rob and, um, you know, advance to the 316, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting beat by Duke. I mean, you can't really hang your head on that one. Sure. But, um, you know, that was awesome just to kind of rally around him and, you know, advance further than a lot of people thought we were going to. Yeah. You still talk to Rob? Talk to Rob frequently. Yeah. Yeah. How about his run in that three-on-three tournament? Yeah, he's a beast. (laughs) He's he's a beast. He's going to be like the greatest of all time three-on-three player. (laughs) I I love getting to see him still play and and to win that. it was a pretty cool sight, especially, you know, for uh, just like you, just everything he's gone through to, to see him be able to win something and, and see him with joy on the basketball court still. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. He's got a chance to go to China and yeah. play in the Olympics. I mean, you know, that's just it's unbelievable. It's, cool. it's, you know, I hope it happens for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, he deserves it. You were uh, part of the early – recruiting classes that Matt Painter, when he took over, there was those struggles, Katie's last year, Matt's maybe first year or so, but you were part of kind of one of those first couple of classes he put together and, and changing the culture of Purdue basketball. What was that like and how he sold that to you and how you guys helped change uh, Purdue basketball? Um, you know, it was just, we know he had a vision and, you know, he was a hungry, you know, young coach at that time. And, um, he wanted to lead his alma mater back to, you know, where they've been. And, you know, we knew they were, they really struggled there. The end of coach Katie's, you know, tenor. And then, you know, that first year under coach paint and, um, just getting that opportunity to go there and, 
you know, we really had no expectations. I mean, we had David Teague, we had Carl Lancher, we had two guys that were, you know, unbelievable leaders in different ways. And, but a great two guys to build your team around that could, you know, you could win a lot of games and, um, you know, so I just went in there, you know, in the summer and I was, you know, the, ch- the talk was there about, you know, red shirting. And I was like, no, that's not an option. So, you know, what do I have to do? And, you know, Conzo Martin and, you know, David T really mm-hmm. took me under their wings and like, well, you have to be a defensive stopper. You yeah. have to, you know, you're going to have to guard the best spot, the best guy on the court, um, offensively for the other team. You're going to have to shut them down. And, you know, I really, I really took that and I really took pride in it. And, um, kind of sacrificed everything, um, you know, individually for Purdue. And, you know, I think that's what happens or what has to happen for um, every single person that comes from college for the most part or that comes to Purdue from high school is you have to sacrifice a little bit. Um, some people more than others from, you know, your role in high school. Because um, the only thing that really matters is once you get there is Purdue winning. And, you know, we had a lot of success in my four years. And, um, you know, we had a bunch of guys sacrifice a little bit. Um, and, you know, we just won a lot of games and had a lot of fun. We won some, you know, hung some banners up in Mackey Arena that, you know, nobody can ever take away from mm-hmm. And you bought right into that philosophy about playing defense, two-time defensive player of the year in the league. In fact, you know, just to say this to you, Chris, I don't know if I've seen anybody buy into a team role more than I've seen you play. It's, it was a joy watching you uh, play Purdue basketball. <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, I didn't really have to do much. I, mean, I could just, you know, facilitate a little bit, make sure Robbie, Jawan, and um, each one got the ball where they needed to and then just kind of get out of their way and then just get back on defense. And, you know, after that, you know, if those three guys played well, we had a legitimate chance to win any game against yeah. anybody. What's it like to play in Mackey Arena? Um, you know, it's crazy. When did I play? Four years ago, maybe in the, in the alumni game. Um, and during one of the timeouts, they talked to me and like, I still, I still had those chills. <laughs> like, and, you know, there was only a couple thousand people there watching the game, but still getting those chills, like playing in front of those, you know, it's just electric and just the way that, you know, Mac Arena's built. Um, I love now how the fans or how the paint crews on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw there was a report that came out of the top 25 venues in college basketball and Purdue wasn't in there. Um, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but you know, maybe biasly, maybe unbiasedly, I would be, I would put it, you know, up against any place in the country. Definitely. Definitely top five. And I don't think that can be argued at all. I mean, you have, people from ESPN and Andy Katz and all those guys, anytime they come, say, wow, there's nothing like Mackey Arena. So to hear that compared against Duke or Kansas, you know, that's, I think, an honor to hear those guys say that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Hey, and speaking of Purdue basketball, I'm sure you got to watch the run this past year to the the Elite Eight and watching Carson and Ryan Klein and Grady and those guys play. Uh, What do you think about the current and uh, future state of the program? Yeah, I was um I was heartbroken uh <laughs> the way it all ended. Sure. Um you know, the way Carson single handedly just 
in the Virginia game put him, you know, put us on his back. And then in the game before against Tennessee, I mean, the way, you know, Ryan just hit some big, mm-hmm. big shots. I mean, just, you know, you're just like, what are you good shot? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that run was unbelievable. Um, it just showed that when a group of guys really come together and play for each other, um, how much success they can have. And, uh, you know, I think the future's bright. I know they had um, some guys come in. Freshman-wise, that'll be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I told people last year, um, I think I, I know P.J. Thompson said it, and I said it as well, like on Twitter, um, you know, don't don't jump ship, you know, <laughs> early on. Right. Um, you know, as good as they could be on paper, you know, you have to give teams time to, you know, find themselves and, you know, a guy's role could change throughout the season. And, um, you know, once you get to that Christmas break and you really get into, um, you're able to really practice and, you know, really find your role and, you know, just have a lot of time without any games. That's when your team can either, you know, go the right way like Purdue did this year, or you can go the wrong way and, um, you know, really just kind of, you know, battle every game and um, <clears throat> not take the strides necessary to, you know, kind of put your play, yourself in a position to, you know, start playing the best basketball towards the end of the season. Right. Um, so, you know, I think Purdue, the future is really bright. Um, you know, it's just something to come and, you know, come down to, you know, freshmen and transfers buying into Coach Painter's system and, you know, just, you know, letting them lead or letting him lead them, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting them in the right positions offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, but Matt Harms and, you know, Aaron Wheeler um, are definitely going to be, you know, exciting to watch, mm-hmm. um, you know, this next season for sure. And, and can we just stop the fire Matt Painter chance already, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I think – I mean, it's annoying for me because obviously I'm biased. I played for him, and I know how much he cares. I know how much time he puts in. Um, people think, like, going to the Final Four and, like, winning the Big Ten and all this stuff, like, you know, no matter what team you have, they think, you know, you should win it every year. And it's just, you know, it's even when you have the team and you're the favorite, that doesn't mean you're going to win. That's why you play the games. You know, it's not like there's a simulate button and, you know, you're better than everyone, so you win. You know, you have to go out there and prove it. That's why basketball is such an amazing game. If you don't make shots and the other team does, or defensively you have complete breakdowns and you can't guard the ball, you know, every game is, you know, there's different things that could happen. And, you know, that's why you have to be ready to play and you have to go out there and prove that you're the best every single night. And if you don't do that, then you're not going to, you know, end up winning these awards and, you know, all these accolades that, you know, you want as a team and, you know, as, essentially that fans want and you know there's only four teams every year that go to the final four Mm -hmm. and you know and i hate to say it but um the bracket plays a huge factor in all of those teams that go who you play and when you play them and where you play them in the ncaa tournament is a huge factor and that's a lot of that's one thing i think that people really overlook um you know oh you lost to whoever yeah well we played them in their backyard or you know, there's so many factors that go, and then injuries have obviously, you know, plagued Purdue too. So, 
the future is bright, but yeah, people need to uh, definitely, <laughs> you know, if you're not, if, if that's your, if that's the role that you're going to take as fire coach planner, you can just hop off the, right, hop off the, the ship. And not to mention the young men he's growing, the graduation rate we have for the for the team and the number of guys that have been drafted in the NBA. I mean, I think his coaching and his character building uh, speaks for itself as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely gotten a lot of people in the NBA, and um, you know, he's very adaptable as a coach on the personnel that he has and putting guys, you know, in the right positions. Like he's not, you know, just stubborn and hard headed. Where, you know, this is, you know, this is my way. This is how we're going to do it. And you know, if we win or lose, we're going to stick by. You know, I'm going to stick to my guns on how I do things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he wants to keep his job and he wants to win as many games as possible too. So, you know, he's going to adapt. He's going to, you know, tinker with some things and, you know, find the right lineups and all of that. That takes time. That's something that doesn't happen overnight. Right. Awesome. Hey, Chris, we talked a little bit earlier about your success overseas and just recently talking about the NBA. Is, is it is it or was it a dream for you to play in the NBA or is it still? I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was. And, um, you know, I... <clears throat> I was the last guy kept from the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. you know, right out of right out of school. And um, Scott Skiles was a coach when okay. I was there, and you know, he wanted to keep me, but you know, they had too many guys on the roster at that time, so they couldn't. Um, and then I had that year in the in the D League, and I played really well. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought there was going to be opportunities that could have that could arise. Um, that next summer, and then the NBA went in a lockout. So, right. you know, I went overseas, and, you know, I've done summer league and all of those things and just kind of hoped that things would would happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said before, I mean, I'm very blessed to still get the opportunity to play this game and um, see the world doing it and experience all right. of these amazing things exactly. you know, with my family. So, so I was going to um, say, you get to experience some things overseas that – many players on this side of the globe don't. So, I, I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, there's pros and cons each sure. way. Um, obviously, when you see these, uh, when you see how much these guys are getting paid in the NBA, you're like, oh, <laughs> I mean, 13th man in the NBA just signed a $50 million deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be one heck of a cheerleader for $50 million. No kidding, but, no kidding. You well, know, so. If the NBA valued defense, as well as you play it, maybe uh, – Maybe they'll get their heads together and we'll get you back over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about it at this point. <laughs> Chris, hey, I really enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate your time. If our listeners want to follow Chris on Twitter, it's at C underscore K underscore three, CK3 that is. Um, Chris, again, thank you so much for your time, and I wish you all the best in your rehab and um, heading over to Russia for next season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, no problem. Take care, man. You too. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. You can also listen, like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.